because it's not long enough. So I've got to like hum in the intro. I love it. Our theme music is long. Yeah. Well, it is. But uh, I'm a little too proud of it at the moment to shorten it. So we'll just see over time. I'll get over myself. But right now I'm like, no, every second counts. Okay. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring. Today we're talking food. Food. Food, glorious food. <laughs> oh. What is it? Powdered potatoes and applesauce. Because that's all you can eat <gasps> while you're on chemo. Right. Powdered potatoes, applesauce, Cheez Its. You ate Cheez Its? I ate Cheez Its. It was one of the only pleasures in that like first 10 days after getting chemo each time. Wow. Cheez-Its and that company Honest Tea. Mm-hmm. I don't like tea, but they make like a sports drink that is like lemon Gatorade without all the sicky, sickly sweet like properties. Gotcha. And um, so I would have that and then I would have my Cheez-Its. I think it was a combination of the texture of them and the taste and the fact that I never allowed myself to have Cheez-Its before. Okay. That it, it was lovely. Until it wasn't. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> so, I thought we could start by talking about, because food in the discussion of cancer and what causes cancer and the reasons why for cancer, mm-hmm. food plays such a prominent role um, for a lot of people, as evidenced by our book here. Sure. Um, beating cancer with nutrition and all the things you see like on Facebook and I'm sure Pinterest, my Pinterest feeds me all kinds of information about eat this. If you have cancer, don't eat this or you'll get cancer. And I don't really think that I have the credentials necessary to dispel any of that. Um, not trying to give medical advice here, but I find it interesting to just know yeah, the very, the very different ways in which we all ate before we got cancer. Absolutely. And I don't see a consistent theme, but well, anyway. why, don't, why don't you start by telling me about what the before. So what was Jocelyn's diet prior to the cancer diagnosis? Right, right. Well, I mean, for this, we're going to need to go all the way back to my childhood. Whoa. in a very like because I think you know what we eat as kids sets us up for adulthood like in terms of how we look at food and treat food and I mean I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that but growing up we grew up on a farm predominantly first it was a hog farm and then when I was about six we moved to like a little farmette we had chickens we had two huge vegetable gardens um We only ate meat from the chickens that we raised ourselves. They were free-range chickens, obviously. Um, And then Farmer Dan was this guy who lived maybe like five miles away from us. And he had cattle and uh, hogs and stuff like that. So we would get meat. We would buy our meat from him. So growing up, it was a lot of what we now know as organic, like food and free-range meats and Um, we weren't allowed to have things like boxed cereals. Uh, my mom 
made all of our bread. She ground all the wheat, which she'd get wheat as like actual wheat. And then she had a flour mill that we plugged into the wall. We got our milk from Oberweiss Dairy, which is still going strong in Illinois, at least. We went through a lot of milk, big family, lots of milk, but the kind of milk that's like sold in glass bottles. And I don't know, Looking back, I realize now how healthy it was and how little I appreciated it because I would go to my friend's house and they would have packaged food, like food with a crinkly wrapper over it. And it always tasted so good. And um, cereal. Oh, my God. Every time I went over and uh, they would be like, okay, what do you kids want for lunch? I'd be like, cereal. And they always thought it was such a big weirdo, but cereal tasted so good and it was crunchy. And of course it was like predominantly sugary, which we weren't allowed to have sugar either, but it was mostly just all stuff we grew or, you know, we shopped at the grocery store. We didn't grow everything. We're not a bunch of weirdos, but (laughs) no, we weren't, I mean... That wasn't our whole life, like growing food and everything. Right. We were, that's just how it was. Like the idea of going through a drive, I think the first time I had McDonald's, I was probably 17 years old and I realized like what that was because I didn't cook. I've never cooked and I'm not good at it. (laughs) So my diet was like a lot of sandwiches and a lot of um, mac and cheese from a box, which Again, the first time I made mac and cheese from a box, I was babysitting and I was 15 years old and I did it all wrong. (laughs) I think I put the butter in with the boiling water and with the noodles and like, I don't know how you screw up boxed mac and cheese, but I did. Um, So for the last, let's see, I've been married for 14 years now and that entire time we've eaten very healthy. We've lived across the street from a Whole Foods for the last eight years. That's not to say you can't get things from Whole Foods that are riddled with sugar and gluten and things like that. But, um, I mean, I predominantly eat home-cooked meals that are cooked by my long-suffering husband. And, and we don't eat fast food. I mean, every once in a while we would get Jimmy John's and that was like, ooh, you know, big treat. I ate a salad every day for lunch. And that was mostly just so I could have a shit every day or two days because <laughs> I I didn't realize growing up that it wasn't normal to go a whole week without pooping and then have it take like 30 minutes and be very painful. So I realized I may have an issue with constipation, but I knew that if I ate a salad for lunch every day, you know, just pack it for your work because you'll eat anything when you're at work. You're so damn hungry. Um, so I literally was getting all the fruits and veggies, I mean, everything. So um, I wasn't like paleo or anything like that. I I eat everything. I eat meat. I eat sugar. I eat, I'll have donuts and pie, and but it's usually stuff that's homemade or um, not like a commercially sourced, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if that's a term or not. But that's that's pretty much where I was. And that was part of my... Just a little part of my um, shock at my diagnosis. Yeah, for sure. I want to hear about what kind of an eater you were before. Oh, as a kid? Just like all the way. Yes, go back yeah. to childhood because I'm just curious about that sure. in general. But 
Well, I mean, I would have to say from childhood through adulthood, I really had a very like middle of the road eating habit. My mom um, has food allergies. She's Mm. allergic to preservatives. So we never, we were very similar to what your family experienced because of my mom's food allergies. Um, She didn't cook anything. We didn't really make anything that was like pre-made or anything like that. Um, So my mom also didn't really cook much red meat at all, ever. I never really had a taste for it as a kid. I mean, maybe every once in a while a good steak, but that was not like, it was not like really a big base in my diet. We ate a lot of chicken and a lot of vegetables and a lot of fish because my dad liked to fish. So we didn't eat fish hardly ever at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, my diet really didn't change much, not through... Um, young adulthood even when I got married and had kids of my own and um, I'm you know I'm I'm not a great cook I can say that that's for sure (laughs) but um, you know what I do here (laughs) like zero judgment (laughs) I just I'm not Uh, but you know I also will make those same similar decisions. My mom also was that person that always told me like, don't buy the fat free or sugar free or all that, because you know, there's fats that are good for you. Yeah. mm -hmm. We always had like full fat. Like Mm -hmm. there, there was no, our milk was whole milk. Mm -hmm. Like I was told that skim and 2% milk are not as good for you as whole milk, which is debatable. It was always butter in my family, never margarine. Yeah. It was always, yeah. Like fats are good for you. Mm Mm-hmm. How did they get so savvy about this? Because I feel like in the 80s and 90s, like those those diet foods, they still are. I still see them. Like Adkins has a whole line of like, I mean, the diet foods are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Are I, they still really shitty for you or are they? did they get better? I don't know. I don't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't know. But um, yeah, my I mean... That's pretty much where I was, like, as a kid. Um, I'm, we didn't eat a lot of sugar. We didn't drink a ton of soda. We didn't eat a lot of red meat. Oh, we never got pop. So, oh, you call it pop. We called it pop. <laughs> never in the house. <laughs> but Miracle Whip, to this day, I don't eat it because I know it's got to be really bad for you and mayonnaise must be better. But I love the taste of Miracle Whip. <laughs> Oh my God. And one of my favorite things is a summer sausage sandwich with Miracle Whip on top. And I maybe have it once a year. It's like a birthday meal to me. That's funny. It's delightful. All right. So you weren't like eating like, I don't know, cocoa puffs for breakfast and no, like a Lunchables for lunch and hamburger helper every night for, for dinner. Nope. Nope. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those foods. I'm just no. saying. No. No. That that was definitely not my family. Not with not with my mom's food allergies. Just very interesting. I've never yeah. heard of someone being allergic to preservatives. Mm-hmm. MSG, yes. Yes. But is that basically what preservatives are? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like sulfites. Okay. MSG. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is uh, natural flavors? You know, like know. in the list of things? Yeah. And yeah. then it'll just say, and natural flavors. 
That's a good question. I've never known what that means. That's a good question. Yeah. My mom was always like, if natural flavors is in it, it's not natural. Yeah. Yeah. Because what's the source of that natural flavor? I just don't even know what it means. Like it could be nothing. It could be a nothing thing like that you don't have to worry about. And it could be like MSG. I have no clue. Interesting. She also told me never eat fortified foods. So like cereals and most store-bought breads are fortified. Like they add in nutrients after the fact. Huh. Is what I was told. Yeah. Anyway, once again, these are all <laughs> suggestions from mom. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, this is mom nutrition. Mm-hmm. So just take it for whatever it's worth. Because <laughs> my mom never got cancer. I'll tell you that right now. Right. Neither mm-hmm. did mine. Not that we know of. No. Um, okay. And then you get cancer. Yeah. And then suddenly food becomes the most important modifiable risk factor in yeah. your life. According to everyone, especially since the source of your cancer is quote unquote environmental, right? Yeah, no genetic component. Sorry, a hot flash. Ooh, <gasps> she's flashing. Yeah, she took the jacket off. <laughs> <laughs> You're so smart with the layers. I have nothing under this cardigan. Whoa, I know. That's a lot of information. Well, you know how I like to be for these podcast recordings. <laughs> uh, yeah, still managing that. No kidding. So my, it's usually a family member mm-hmm. who has um, a lot of opinions about oh, what yeah. you should be eating during cancer. Sudden expert. Food yes. expert. Yes. Because <sighs> they Googled a bunch of shit. Yeah. Uh, in an anxiety fueled like three hour period of time, probably the afternoon after you told them you have yeah. cancer. Oh, yes. I, Is that, mm-hmm. has that been your experience mm-hmm. as well? And then also they... I, I would get the random text message that was a picture of a, a bottle of pills that was from po- probably some sort of Whole Foods store that said that you need to take this pill. Oh, the supplements. Yeah. I don't even know what it was, but it was definitely something that they were like, you should take this because it says it helps prevent cancer. I'm like, I already have cancer, so and we're out of luck with that. Yeah. Ship <laughs> sailed. Thanks though. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I'm I'm so curious to know what your your visit with that nutritionist said. So this is like a prominent nutritionist in town hmm. who's very good at their job. Very oh. knowledgeable, very intense. I didn't know that beforehand. But my sister um was like she had gone to this nutritionist because she um, has some intolerances and some limitations and um, that she went to him for. And she had a really good experience. And so she really, really wanted him to see me. He used to work with um, an oncology group in town. Mm-hmm. And then he has since gone into his own practice. So I go to this nutritionist. It's like a couple weeks before I'm supposed to start chemo, I think, because there was like this interval of time where I was waiting on the operation to get my port I think is why and so I go to see him and at the beginning he's like so I usually encourage people to record these conversations because I'm going to give you a lot of information and you're going to want to reference it later on oh I was like well that seems wise solid so yeah this was like an hour and a half an hour to an hour and a half 
consultation. Wow. And so I did. I recorded it on my phone. Oh. Yeah. He also took notes for me. Whoa. While he was talking. He also sent me no less than 13 uh, literature articles that he was referencing during our appointment. So this is like not a commentary on how thorough or knowledgeable or probably correct this person is. It's just from my perspective, this was an overwhelming experience. Wow. I mean, I'm already overwhelmed just thinking about the fact that it was an hour and a half recording and it was also notated and you're supposed to like reference all these articles. Like who has time for that? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely not me. I don't know. Wow. However, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious though. And I, yeah. I love suggestions for main maintenance of health. So these are the two pages of notes that he took during this consultation. And there are 10 key points here. And again, this was a highly specialized plan, and this is not in any way a recommendation for anyone, whether you're, you know, going through cancer or not. Um, This just is what I have from my personal consultation with this nutritionist at this time, which was like a year ago. Um, But he kind of went over my current state, like how many... I don't, I don't even know what that means. At the, the Anyway, he went over like my diagnosis, ductal carcinoma, um, ripra, stage 2B, triple positive. And then he went over the chemo I'd be getting, which was TCHP, um, that I'd be getting at time 6. And then I got Synvanti and Aloxy beforehand for nausea, basically. So he said, okay, here's your plan. Number one. An easy-to-digest diet. So he said no nuts, um, but I can have nut butters because they're all ground up, I guess. It's more easy to digest. Um, Eat every two to three hours in small amounts. No lunch meats. No leftovers over 48 hours. And sterile foods. So things that are cooked have been frozen or things that have been um, washed and peeled. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, okay, 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 okay. It's basically what we would recognize as um, a neutropenic diet. Right. Which is something I'm familiar with from having taught it to my cancer patients. However, there are a lot of studies coming out in the last five to 10 years that indicate that a neutropenic diet is maybe not necessary for people experiencing neutropenia. Hmm. And um, there's one, and again, I don't have the name of this article, but you can probably find it, but they basically looked at the gut bacterial load mm-hmm. of um, people who were getting, who were neutropenic versus people who weren't. Wow. And people who followed a neutropenic diet and people who didn't in both categories, and they didn't find a significant variance for either. So... There's not a whole lot of actual researched evidence to recommend a neutropenic diet. So there's that. However, I was very focused on this diet plan. 
And then number two is exercise at least three times a day. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I was... the most astonishing one on there. Isn't it amazing? So I was instructed to do 10 minutes of exercise three times a day. So this would be things like taking stairs for 10 minutes. I was just going to say, it's like sitting up in bed count as exercise. (laughs) Because that's pretty much just like walking to and from the, the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah, that yeah. constitute exercise. I think that counts because you do it a lot going through chemo, and it sure does take a lot of energy to get from the bed to the toilet and to actually lower yourself onto the toilet. I know. Was really quite the, the lower body strength, the quad strength alone mm-hmm. is pretty spectacular. Yeah. No. So after <laughs> each workout, so after each 10 minute workout, I was to consume a liquid protein. So a liquid high in protein. So like a protein drink or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that this, this is to terrible. spike the insulin so that the protein is digested, something of that nature. I was like, okay. So we're just on number two. There's 10. Wow. Uh, Number three looks like a lot of calculations. Oh, it's how much protein I'm supposed to get in a day, which was 112 grams. Which seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, Then the other thing, uh, number four, glutamine powder was something I was to do twice daily. Glutamine powder is this white powder. I don't think it really has, it didn't have a significant taste. To me, you can put it in a drink, usually is what you want to do. So you can put it in your protein shake, or I would put it in my, you know, honest tea Gatorade. And it can't go into hot drinks though. Okay. So it doesn't dissolve well either in cold drinks. Mm. Um, So glutamine powder, uh, two teaspoons twice a day. And then number five was no St. John's wort, no milk thistle, no liver flushes, and um, no greens drinks. So the idea was that the chemo needs to kind of hang out in your liver. And mm-hmm. so doing like cleanses, like like he said, any any juices that are like super greens or things of that nature that are meant to like cleanse your liver are really going to be counterintuitive to basically pickling your organs in chemo at this point. <laughs> so, and Saint, something about St. John's wort mm-hmm. and milk thistle, I think. I heard about that too. Why? I don't remember. I don't either. Because those things, usually people take them, they're more natural solutions, I think, to um, like symptoms of depression. Mm-hmm. But I cannot remember for the life of me why I wasn't supposed to take them. I have no idea. I never had, but... You know, I hadn't either. Kind of would have been convenient to have that in the arsenal. Right. Anyway, don't do that. Um, Number six was melatonin before bed, 20 milligrams. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. So the normal recommended dose is three. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was to take 20. And he said, if I'm remembering correctly, that it had to do with... um, Melatonin is not just something that helps you sleep. It's something that helps you digest food, essentially. Melatonin and serotonin Mm -hmm. have a relationship in the gut. And when the one is lacking, the other one will follow suit. And so because 
chemo attacks quickly dividing cells that includes your entire gi system Mm -hmm. from your mouth to uranus basically Mm -hmm. and it just strips it of all of the good bacteria and so your food is not digested and this is why you're shitting your brains out because it's just like a clear path all the way through right a clear painful painful (laughs) path um so taking the melatonin was supposed to help with serotonin reuptake and digestion and um things of that nature and i did take 20 milligrams of melatonin wow every night and it didn't really seem to affect me that much i mean i was so exhausted i never felt like i needed (laughs) (laughs) like the trips to the bathroom the exercise that i was getting yeah you were getting your (laughs) your exercise i was wearing you out i didn't feel like i really needed the melatonin to help me sleep but i I understand mm -hmm. now that there's a alternate purpose right for the digestion and i also do not think that um our because it is processed in the gut i don't think our I think the reason the dose is so high is because you're not really getting that much. That's how high it has to be for you to get like a normal amount, probably. Um, Then I was to take vitamin D3 and they were supposed to test me for vitamin D, which just spoiler alert, if you're listening to this podcast and you're an adult human, you have low vitamin D. You just do. Everybody does. It's just a thing. Mm Mm-hmm something evolutionarily that has developed over time as we I think my speculation would be that we've spent more time indoors and your body actually has a hard time getting vitamin D outside of the sun exposure Mm -hmm. because unless it's dissolved sublingually in the mouth and this is what I understand from vitamin D and like all the B vitamins they have a really hard time being digested in your gut mm. because the acid in your gut pretty much kills them ah. so you you do get vitamin B's and you get D's from food certainly but to kind of isolate it and get more of it it's very difficult to do in a supplement um, yeah I was supposed to take B12 methylfolate uh what else? Um, something called cerumen, in, which is a nanoparticle. I don't know. It's written here. Uh, it's a liposomal theracumin, something, something, something. My oncologist nixed that. So, because I did, as soon as I went to this nutritionist and I would write, this is a recommendation. Whoever you see, bring all of that to your oncologist Mm -hmm. and show them the advice that you're getting and make sure that number one, they understand everything you're taking and doing supplemental or otherwise. Right. And then just validate with them. Ultimately it's up to you, but whatever you choose, your oncologist needs to know about it. Yeah. Solid advice. Yep. And then the last thing was IP six powder. And I also do not know what that is. And I also did not do that. And let me tell you something. I followed this to a T for about the first five to six weeks. And then things changed. <laughs> In what way? They ch- they changed. Mm. Mm-hmm. They, look, at a certain point, you're just desperate to eat anything. Yeah. 
and exercise is not a thing you're doing. No. You're just not doing it. No. And uh, all of the protein drinks and the powders made me feel so sick. Yeah. So sick. And I stuck to the B12. I stuck to the melatonin. The pills were easy because there were so many pills anyway. But this idea of... and, And the frozen foods, but honestly... At a certain point, the only thing I wanted to eat, because it was the only thing that could stay in, was powdered potatoes, applesauce, and Cheez-Its. All right. That was basically it. Yeah, I think I had white rice. (laughs) I couldn't handle anything that had flavor to it. So I I probably had... The starchiest diet ever. <laughs> I mean, did you have a grand plan? Bef- like, you no. get, all right, you get your diagnosis, and no. then... No. No, because, like, my oncologist was... Uh, see, I didn't go see a nutritionist, and my oncologist was like... And I asked very specifically, is there any sort of diet restrictions or anything that I need to avoid or... Um, and, and there were some things that he mentioned, you know, um, just especially like the neutropenic diet, but he also said, eat whatever feels good. And I said, okay. And, um, and I understand why he says that now, (laughs) because at that moment I was like, well, that's kind of weird coming from my oncologist. Like I thought he would really have an opinion about what I was going to put in my body. But I understood very quickly after going through a lot of treatment that what he meant was like whatever you can stomach. Yeah. And that really was sound advice because um, there was a lot of things that I could not stomach at all. And, um, but when I got to like the day before my next treatment, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to eat like a lot today. Yes. Food panic. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I remember that. I would, I was like, I would usually start to feel okay. Like maybe, um, definitely the day before my next treatment and also maybe one day prior to that. And I would literally have like a food list of like, okay, I'm going to eat. Yes. I'm going to eat all of these things because I know I'm not going to be able to eat them for a while and they're going to taste awful. And I want to just taste good food. Mm-hmm. So I just ate everything. Like I didn't. Yes. We had a magnet on our fridge that I bought and it was parsed. It was like a menu magnet for like all that had all the days of the week on it. And that shitty week when I couldn't eat anything and it all still sounded and tasted good, by the way, but it would just come right out of me. And then you begin to be afraid of food. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would plan for that the third week, that final week before the next infusion, because mm-hmm. it was usually a safe week. And I would I would write it on the thing and I'd be like, then we're having this and then we're having uh, chili cheese dogs and then we're getting hot pastrami and then we're get like and I would have I mean and you'd feel all the panic mm-hmm. of like I've got to get all this food in because I'm not going to be able to eat for like 10 days mm-hmm. and in this notebook 
that I've been taking notes in. I got this for Christmas from my mom as part of a present for Christmas. And Christmas was the like three days after my last infusion. And the very first note is an, a food list of, of what I wanted to eat when my counts finally got normal and I could come off a neutropenic diet and where I was going to eat them. And then it has like check marks next to them and they've all been checked. (laughs) (laughs) And the first three things were sushi, more sushi, more sushi. Nice. And then it was pizza, Mm -hmm. had Thai, hot pastrami's on here twice. (laughs) I wanted a fucking sub sandwich. Yeah. Like with all the meats on it. Ice cream because dairy never worked no throughout treatment even on a good week no ice cream milk Mm -mm. no Mm -mm. i couldn't have a latte no that was killer for me i wanted a chipotle burrito like no (laughs) like no thing i've ever wanted in my whole life (laughs) it i was obsessed i was abs i was trying to talk my husband into getting it for me and he's like you realize that perfectly healthy people get the shits from a chipotle burrito right (laughs) i'm like yes i hear the logic and the words you are saying but my body says i want this thing right that that is the betrayal of Mm -hmm. eat what feels good yes because for me everything tasted good still Mm. all the time and everything felt good while i was eating it and while i was eating it i would be like this is going to be fine this is going to be totally fine and then within 15 minutes thing I started being like okay I'm uncomfortable this is going to be fine this is going to be okay and then within 20 to 30 minutes it was just all over again and again and again the ship has sailed (sighs) yes (laughs) so um I'd like to know a little bit about if you've made any diet changes as of now since Mm. your post chemo i'm trying to think if i modified my diet at all at the very first but i think just based on this list of food that was really important to me and considering it includes like things like ice cream and jimmy john's and chipotle burritos and p terry's (laughs) and fresas which is a mexican place like no i i eat I would say exactly the same as I did before. Exactly the same. Yeah. I don't, I really can't think of any significant modifications I've made to my diet. And honestly, this has been my approach to food is this I eat everything, I don't restrict myself. In any way, I I read a book once and I think it's called Forks Over Knives, but I, I think I'm mixing that up with that a Netflix documentary that was on for a while. But I God, I can't remember what this book was. I read the whole book. It's on my Kindle. I probably could have looked it up, mm-hmm. but I guess I'm lazy. Anyway, the thing that stuck with me, I read the whole damn book, but the thing that really stuck with me was the people who wrote the book were like, okay, look, this is this is the approach to food and this is the only diet you should ever be on. And they said, eat real food, mostly plants, not too much. That was it. Eat real food, mostly plants, not too much. 
That's, and I was like, yes. That's solid advice. That's it. They, the book then goes into what is, what is real food? What is not real food? And what, what encompasses like plants and how to balance that out? So it's, it's obviously more complex than those three statements, but that's it for me. Mm-hmm. I just, I try to predominantly eat real food. And I try to get my fruits and vegetables in every day as a priority. And then just, I try to not eat too much of it. And every once in a while, when I have to go to Target, I will go to Donut Taco Palace on my way. And we will get a donut. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And, And a breakfast taco of questionable quality. Mm hmm. But it does taste really good. Nice. So no, I'm I'm gonna live my life and I don't know. I don't know. I don't that's not advice. That's just that's what I'm doing. Right. That's good. If someone makes me a pie, I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> and I will always choose a homemade cake over a sheet cake, even though those H-E-B sheet cakes are delicious. Agreed. Nice. I don't know. what Have you changed? Only a little. Um, I have... I'm trying to slowly eliminate animal protein. What, what is that for? Because well, I got to say, I love animal proteins, <laughs> but there are times when I'm eating meat and I suddenly become grossed out by it mm-hmm. and it happens a lot with chicken um less with steak because I oh my god I have like a love affair with steak I just I love it I do love it but there have been times where I've been eating steak and I think it's when it's too like gristly or it's not been cooked adequately or something you know like that but yeah but what well for I'm- you what is my, I was raised, um, so <laughs> this is a little backstory on me. My dad is um, a foreigner, so he immigrated to the United States. Um, oh, no, not a foreigner. Yeah, big time. <laughs> uh, when he was about 30. So um, my dad was raised um, under the religion of Islam, so we're Muslim. Um, but my mom, she was Christian, and so they raised us with both religions and just pieces of both. Why is my reaction like, oh, like <laughs> I want to see the movie of your parents meeting and falling in love and having the, like, I want to watch that. I think my dad, you know, kind of came to the United States, not just to like better his life, but also I think it was just to broaden his, his scope because the place where, um, and we still have a house overseas where my dad's from. Where's and your dad from? Is it Lebanon? Yeah, he's from Lebanon. And um, we have a little village, and he was born there, and our house is there now. And um, I think that, you know, he just, they just wanted more. Um, and Lebanon's a tiny country, mm. and I just wanted more opportunity. And he was he's very open-minded, so... Him marrying an American um, 
you know, white girl Christian. Like that was <laughs> at first it was frowned on, uh, upon my dad's father, but, um, eventually my dad's father, uh, fell in love with my mom just probably more than he really loved his own son. <laughs> he, he just loved my mom. Anyways, long story short, we never ate pork at home. So we started off and I, I am not particularly religious. I'm so sorry for anyone who out there who is. That's just my particular. Um, Same. Just that's just me. And uh, but we're not going to get into that here. Just oh god, just, can you imagine? No, we were, um, but we just didn't eat pork. So that was a part of growing up, and that was just something that I accepted. I, I didn't even ask questions about it because I don't even think I knew what pork was. Or why somebody would eat a pig. I don't, I don't know. Um, cause they're, I don't know going away from that. So I just, I've continued that into my adulthood. Just that's the way I was raised. A lot of people do things like that. And, um, but I've also backed away from red meat. So I don't, I, I just, I don't eat it anymore. And I, I never ate a lot of it in the first place. Mm. So that wasn't really like a big loss for me. And I prefer a good eggplant, you know, over um, eating meat anyway. So, and um, I'm working slowly on removing chicken. And I'm not a huge chicken eater either. I, I just... Again, I, it just... It, Sometimes I'm eating it depending on how it's cooked. Mm -hmm. It super grosses me out. <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, but that I would have to say is the only difference or only change that I've made is just to remove red meat um, from my diet. But that's not, and that wasn't a huge move for me either. So, um, and like I said, I've just have chosen not to eat pork not really for a religious reason. It's just, that's sort of the way I raised and it just kind of carried over. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I do try to explore some new fruits and vegetables that I hadn't eaten before or was less familiar with. And, um, I'm, there's one in particular that I hear so much about and I don't even know if if, I mean, I think all fruits and vegetables are just, are generally probably pretty good for you. They all contain really good things. Um, yeah. but there's just been a lot of hype around things like jackfruit. Like what, huh? <laughs> like jackfruit. Jackfruit? Oh, you haven't heard. What is jackfruit? Oh, I'm sure it's in that book of yours over there about oh. healing cancer with or beating cancer with nutrition. Oh, God. I wonder if it's under the list of fruits we're supposed <clears throat> to eat. But I do have to say that um, I have increased lemon in my diet. I have a lot more lemon than I used to. Why lemon? Um, I mean, I've heard, I've heard from probably Instagram that it's good for like digestion and your skin and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. Is that, um, I don't, I, maybe it's just cause I have a taste for it now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure. I just, um, I don't know. I like those fancy, like 
those fancy waters that, you know, they put like cucumber and lemon in and I'm like, Oh, that looks really good. So (laughs) now I've adopted that. But other than that, I haven't, I haven't done anything major. I mean, I'd love to learn how to like cook, uh, tofu. I'm not, I don't know how to do that. That's another thing Mm -hmm. that when it's done really well Mm -hmm. is delicious. Yes. And when it's not done well is super, one of the most gross things ever. Mm -hmm. And too many times I've been tricked to believe (laughs) that what I was looking at was cubes of cheese, yummy, yummy, flavorful cheese in, in like a mix. And then I bite into it and quickly realize it's a cube of unflavored and ill-textured soy. Ooh. And it it's just such a disappointment. Yeah. Um, I am a big fan of mushrooms, like portobello mushrooms. Huge fan. Okay. Something that has changed since chemo is mushrooms. I will eat them now. Nice. Yeah. I guess I decided that there's no reason for me to dislike vegetables. And so whatever vegetable I t- have taken issue with previously needed to be resolved. <laughs> and I can tell you that oh, the way that's been successful for me to incorporate vegetables into my diet that I previously would not eat is to just put them on pizza to start oh. out with. Okay. So like, and don't eliminate what you had been getting on your pizza. So for me, pepperoni and sausage is what I like on my pizza because, oh my God, who doesn't? I mean, you probably don't prefer that. but <laughs> So I would just very casually have just start ordering mushrooms in it or when Sean made it and he would only he used to only put mushrooms and olives on his half and I was like no I'll put mushrooms on all of them olives will address in future because okay. I still can't do it with the olives yeah olives just taste disgusting to me but mushrooms I prioritized then I started slipping it like in in other things that are predominantly just cheese with some kind of bread or egg carrier so like omelets is an easy place to shove vegetables that you you're not really keen on but it's surrounded by cheese and egg and salsa and like good stuff so that's been like the gateway for me and now I can eat mushrooms in in most anything and it doesn't turn me off awesome yeah good for you good for me good for mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know I guess subtle I I maybe I'm more aware of food than I was Mm -hmm. before I don't even do the grocery shopping yeah to be perfectly honest you don't no I wish I didn't completely owns the entire production of food for our household lucky thank you yes Mm -hmm. I agree I'll get text messages like what would you like for dinner tonight or um like put on the grocery list what you'd like because I'm going you know this afternoon after work or whatever um yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of great. Whereas yeah. my questions to him are like, where would you go? Want, where do you want to go on vacation a year from now? <laughs> because that's my job. The general like financial stability of our household is my responsibility. That's heavy. It's all, sh- it's all shared. Like today, yeah. so proud of myself today. I went and I, I don't make, I don't make breakfast, <laughs> You know, but I went to, you know, our, our sweet little coffee shop across the street and I got us some croissants and nice. some coffees. So I, I did breakfast. You did. Yes. 
Good. And good for you. Thank you. Thank you. I felt I felt pretty proud of myself. Yeah. I supplied food for my man. That felt good. Yeah. Don't need to do it again, but you know, it was great. <laughs> but occasionally I can be counted on to bring food home, like in a pinch. You know, now that I we're talking about it, the more mm-hmm. I think about it, I actually tried to eliminate sugars. Not all sugars. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's just some things that, uh, just a reduction in sugars. Um, even carbs, I kind of pulled back on a little bit, but, um, not eliminating, just kind of watching it. Now the bagel that I had before I came here did not, it's not part of that actually. Okay. But it's the weekend, baby. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I Bagels do are for weekends only. <laughs> Absolutely. And I do think that just like what you said, you know, you want to just live. And mm-hmm. and that's why whenever I'm approached in a special situation, going out to dinner or whatever, I I don't restrict. I just kind of do. I do whatever feels right. Mm-hmm. And if um, you know, a steak and potatoes sounds right, then that's what I'm gonna eat. That's uh, not very common for me, but if it did, that's what I would eat. But that would be on an occasion and, and certainly not the norm. I would say I go for vegetarian options now and it feels like I do it more than I did previous. Mm-hmm. I am aware of if I've gone, like I suddenly became aware of my need for sugar. Like like I don't eat a lot of just frank sugar like processed sugar like we don't have like candy bars in the house or cakes or like little debbie's stash and we don't have anything packaged and crinkly packaging basically but i do notice that i need like a little chocolate in my day or i and that's interesting i had to limit myself to ice cream only one time a week otherwise i would eat it every damn night (laughs) I I just would like it's talk about eat what feels good. Mm. Ice cream feels amazing to me. I agree. It's just like this special little treat. And I'm not saying that I like buy it and then scoop it out in a reasonable amount into a bowl or a mug. Oh, you're going for it. I take the pint and I take a kitchen towel and I wrap that kitchen towel around the pint so that my hand doesn't get cold while I'm eating it out of the pint with a spoon. Maybe I hit bottom. Maybe I don't. If I don't hit bottom... It's good because halfway through and then I'll get up and I'll put some peanut butter in it and put it back in the freezer so that the next night when I eat it, there's frozen peanut butter in with my ice cream. Oh, it's just so, so good. I love (laughs) food so much. Yeah. I love almost all food. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's so much a part of what we do. It's so much a part of our socialization that- to arbitrarily eliminate things mm-hmm. or eliminate possibilities from your diet mm-hmm. can have a, a huge impact yeah. on your life. So just like... I, I highly don't recommend to just remove things completely and quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a goal and want to do it, awesome. And just do it baby steps. It's... I. I feel like 
you almost shock yourself, especially if those things are your norm. You know, I mean, I think that that's really the best way to go. And, and definitely like when you're coming out of chemo and you're going suddenly back to this bizarre norm that you're having to figure out again, because life after chemo is not normal at all. Mm -mm. And you're, feelings of being a cancer patient don't go away and um, even though your hair grows back and you finally can you know not have to use the bathroom every 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) and you can walk on your own without a walker (laughs) oh my god um but at the same time it's it's funny how those things do go away but the you know the the impression that cancer leaves, um, on you as, as a person, um, on the inside will always be there. And it's really good to kind of feel yourself out and see where you want to go. And if you don't want to make any changes, don't make any changes. That's Mm -hmm. up to you. Um, you know, you're, you're definitely in, in control of your own destiny, but if you do decide, you know, make those decisions for a good reason and make it a personal reason. Um, or because you want to, not because somebody told you to do it. I think that that's always like really easier way of going about it. And it's also less, less hard on your soul. Yes. I think making decisions out of fear I don't know that that's ever really worked out for me in my life. And fear is important. Fear, you know, evolutionarily speaking, has saved our existence multiple times. It's there for a reason. It's a good instinct and you should pay attention to it Mm -hmm. when you're afraid of something or when you're fearful. Look at it and really investigate that. But pause and just consider, am I not eating this thing Or am I limiting this from my diet because I'm afraid of what it's doing to me because I've allowed people to make me fearful of it? Or or am I doing it because I I honestly feel better when I don't eat that? Mm -hmm. Or I accept that I need to eliminate that so that I can feel better about what whatever reason fine i if that's totally fine Mm -hmm. um you don't need to justify it to anybody but just don't i mean there's so much fear in being where we're at in the treatment phase or Mm post-treatment like that fear that you develop after your diagnosis that just such a raw it's like a new relationship with death. Mm-hmm. I never thought about my own death as much as I do now. Oh, me too. And and that's a whole other thing that we are definitely going to talk about. But I can't let that, that image and that fear override my, my day-to-day life. Yeah. Because that, I think, is its own... Look, stress is a killer too. Big time. So... If, if it makes you incredibly stressed out to imagine a life without your weekly pint of Ben and Jerry's half-baked, which you have to go all the way to the Target 
in South Austin for because <laughs> they never have it at the closer one and you can't get it at Whole Foods because there's something wrong with the temperature of their freezers and the cookie dough in it and the brownie bits in it get all dried out, like freeze dried and they're like hard and chalky and then like what's even the point? So, you know, I go to great lengths <laughs> to get my ice cream needs met because I want to. And because it stresses me out to think of not having that moment on a Sunday night where I get to sit on my couch and pretend like I'm not having to wake up at 530 to go to work the next day <laughs> and just have a moment of pure pleasure. Some You do some things. Conversely, I go to yoga Sunday morning for me because of the way it makes me feel. Right. And I like it. Yeah. And so there are things you do that make you feel really good that are probably considered healthy and then things you do that are not. And I think the balance is the important piece there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is just very layperson, Mm -hmm. individualized, non-advice. Nope. So you do whatever the hell you want. This is just from personal experience. Exactly. If mm-hmm. you do go full sugar-free, paleo, dairy-free, meat-free, like good for you. gluten-free, good for you. But let's just let's just agree that you're not going to work it into every single goddamn conversation you have, <laughs> because then you're infringing on my comfort <laughs> as a human being. So, um, also, there's no value system. No here there's no value system people who have mcdonald's for lunch every day because they live in a food desert and it's the only thing they can afford or it simply tastes good to them and it's part of their habit they're not less valuable as people than than those who don't eat meat or sugar and the shaming around that needs to stop absolutely these are just choices people are making absolutely just a choice the things that lead us to make the choices we make are far too complex mm-hmm. for us to just look at someone and decide for them what those reasons are. So stop doing that. Yeah, that's ugly. I'm going to try to stop doing that too. Good idea. To the extent that I think we all do that to people for varying reasons. Right. That's something I'm more aware of too. Boom. Closing remarks or any yes. food that you feel deserves an honorable mention? Um. I would just say that during treatment, uh, take care of yourself and uh, don't, people want to give you advice and they want to give it to you just because they care and love about and love you. And it's not because they're trying to tell you what to do or they feel that their opinion or what they've read is better than, than the way you feel. And you should just um, talk to your doctor, do what feels right and, um, you know, oddly enough, go with your gut, no. <laughs> which is funny to say during no chemo, intended. right? But if, if your gut says, Hey, I'm okay with that food during treatment, then you should eat that food because, um, you really have to stay healthy and, you know, be able to get through it, which you will, um, and just fight through that phase. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all I have to say. Good. Eat what feels good. And then if you shit your brains out after, <laughs> just consider whether or not it was worth it. Because maybe it was. There were a few times that it was. 
So just think about that. And if you're done shitting your brains out, may I recommend applesauce, <laughs> powdered potatoes, Cheez-Its, and Cheerios. Plain I, Cheerios. Yeah, I did do plain Cheerios. That, those almost never failed me. Yeah. So. Even, even though there's all that stigma about what's in plain Cheerios. Oh you my God. You can do the organic kind. You can just whatever floats your boat. Look, here's the deal. And people are going to shame you mm-hmm. for eating processed foods while you're getting cancer treatment. They absolutely will. But you know what? During active chemotherapy mm-hmm. is not the time. Nope. To go to a plant-based diet, that shit will rip you a new one. Yeah. So you eat whatever you want because you are literally getting poison pumped through your veins. Mm-hmm. And it is coating the inside of every organ that you have. Mm-hmm. So adding a little bit of high fructose corn syrup on top of that is really, it's... It's just fine. Yeah. It's a no-sum game out there, you guys. Mm-hmm. Just eat whatever you want and then when you're done and your hair starts growing back and you start to feel better (coughs) bless you sorry (laughs) consider what you want your life to be and make that decision Mm -hmm. because we i am highly suspicious of anyone that tells you that you shouldn't eat this this or that Mm -hmm. because you'll get cancer again right i would just have a questioning attitude about that agreed yeah. Ooh, I could go on. People should not shame people who are getting chemo. No. Like, fuck you. <laughs> I think a lot of times, though, it is they're just trying to help you, and really it just makes things more confusing. Like, yeah. It comes from a good place. Most of the time. So maybe a kinder fuck you. <laughs> like, fuck you very much. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, fuck you, thank you. Fuck you. <laughs> okay let's end with that Uh uh-huh that was breast cancer is boring with the amazing jocelyn and lauren the amazing lauren (laughs) the parent to two small children lauren dun 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 which god i can't no i can't next time yeah on a terrifying episode (laughs) 